The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter, kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy and media producer. I run a website with online courses called youthrivehere.com. I'm here with our very own genie, who I've rescued from his bottle, Reverend Dr. Raymond <laughs> Anderson also the Senior Minister for the Center for Spiritual Living in Greater Baltimore. How are you doing, Jeannie Raymond? I'm doing well today, Jim, but regarding the whole Jeannie thing, I need to let you know, you know, disclaimer is that I don't do three wishes. You only get one, so think wisely about what you want. Oh my gosh. Well, I had three ready. Okay, just for the sake of conversation, what are your three? All right, well, first off, uh, that we all get beyond the situation we're dealing with with COVID-19 virus right now. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Number two? A world that works for everyone. Oh, that's, I, okay, okay, getting better, getting better. Number three? To be the captain of the Starship Enterprise. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm finding Starship Enterprise to probably be the best of the three. Oh, so thank goodness, that's great. Only because if we think about that whole time period, they sort of created a world that worked for everyone. And if we think about their medical technology, COVID would be like a nothing to them and world hunger because they had, you know, food replicators. So I don't know. I'm thinking star date year 202070. I'm thinking that era. Yeah, we need to do it. We need to contact Gene Roddenberry. Okay, that's going to be difficult. He's passed. Well, but there's only one mind. Well, there's that's true. Mind. <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right, let's go with that one. Make that work, okay? Yes. Make it so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have some sad news today, and that is it is likely Raymond's last episode as a co-host with me today, and uh, I'm really bummed about that. I'm certainly going to miss you. It's been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful having you on as a co-host. I really appreciate it. I'm truly honored, and it has been great being with you. But as we know, sometimes things happen in life where we're called away to do other things or to take a respite and be like, look, I just, uh, um, shanti, um, shanti. So yeah, there's a lot going on with family and stuff. So, But yeah, I will miss being here and frolicking through the large universe. Oh, frolicking. Wow. I didn't <laughs> yeah, realize look, we frolicked. 
Yeah, if you're going to go through the big universe, you got to frolic through it. You can't just roll through it. Well, that's true. That's true. Skip to Maloo. <laughs> well, I have uh, I have it on good authority that Raymond is going to come and contribute a regular segments for us on Raymond's Corner. So I am looking forward to that. Likewise. All right. Are you ready for Dueling Inspirations? Uh, yeah, no, because you haven't shared how you are doing today. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Excellent. I am Excellent. practicing. I am practicing social distancing. However, mentally, I'm not practicing it. I'm right up next to people. Oh, oh, okay. Well, uh, I'm guessing. So when we're physically distancing, we're supposed to wash our hands and do the whole cough into the arm. So as long as you're keeping your mind clean, I'm guessing that's fine. All right, I got to work on that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we need some, I guess, hand sanitizer. We need some mind sanitizer. I don't know. I need someone to help clean my auras, I guess. <laughs> oh, I'm Shanti. Let's get a smudge there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so dueling inspirations. You first, me first. You go first. Okay, so give all your merit away as fast as you can offer it. Now is not the time to be sitting with only our own concerns. We can use this tumultuous time to awaken, not just oneself, but everyone on the planet. We are one body, one mind. Oh, I love that. Very appropriate right now. Who, who's this? Yes. So the book is The Path of the Human Being, Zen Teachings on the Bodhisattva Way. The author is Dennis Genpo Merzel, and that specific chapter was practice in difficult times. Wow. Very, very resonant with today. Definitely, definitely. All right, you ready for mine? Yes. yes the joy of the soul. My soul within me rejoices at the realization of life. I may glad and as I behold my inner light. I cannot be sad nor depressed, for the all-good has claimed me as its own. O soul within me, rejoice and become glad, for thy light has come and the, thy day of salvation is at hand. Be still within me and behold him who sitteth on high. I rejoice in my life within me. Nice. Also very resonant with today and very poetic. Thank so, you. Oh. So that's you. That's that's a Jim Lefter and Rumi original. Go ahead, Jim. Let me find out. Uh, you'll have to look it up. No, actually, that's that's <laughs> Ernie Holmes, Ernest Holmes. Oh, it sounds very poetic. What is that from the Voice Celestial? Actually, it's from Science of Mind. Uh, his meditations in the back of that book. Nice, nice. I like that. I'm gonna have to check that one out. I like that. Good stuff. Good stuff. Very much, very much, very much. All right, shall we uh, jump into the episode? Yes, for sure, because there's a lot of information we can talk to our guests about today, and I'm sure we're not going to get through everything, but yeah, let's let's go. All right, Raw Goddess is our guest, and really looking forward to that. Here's Spiritual Rebel Sarah Bowen with a segment. Spiritual Moment with Spiritual Rebel Sarah Bowen. Hello, Big Universe listeners. 
This is spirituality author and multi-faith educator Sarah Bowen with another spiritual moment for you, drawing on insights from new thought and, of course, some pop culture. Today, we're talking about books. I admit, in addition to shelves and shelves of spirituality books, I'm a sci-fi fan with a healthy stack of dystopian apocalyptic novels. Yet, I never really thought I'd find myself feeling as if I was living within one. But that's exactly how the last few weeks have felt in this time of coronavirus concern. My normal activities are all out of whack as I erase event after event from my calendar. I'm spending an increasing amount of time in front of my computer, in virtual meetings, online meditations, and video chatting. It can be easy at a time like this for me to lose extraordinary amounts of time scrolling social media or escaping into binge-watching Netflix. And I admit I've done a little of both. But when I do, I miss the opportunity to use this time at home more thoughtfully. So I've decided to tackle my sundoku. Sundoku is a Japanese slang word that has recently proliferated in English memes on social media. It combines the Japanese character for pile up and the character for read to describe the practice of acquiring books, but letting them pile up in one's home without reading them. So for today's spiritual practice, let's start tackling our to-read pile. Since I'm homebound, the word home and house are top of mind. So we'll mash up some prose from Persian poet Rumi, followed by prayer from Unity Minister Francis Folks. Here we go. Take a deep breath. Close your eyes. Now sink into these words from Rumi, often called the guest house. Whether they're new to you or you've heard them a hundred times, observe how they feel in this unprecedented time of so much of the world being in their homes at the same time. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out to some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Take another deep breath. Take a moment to be grateful for whatever arrived in your human guest house today. Consider what was unexpected. What might you be being guided towards in this moment? What might you need to clear out to make way for something else to flourish? If anything comes to mind, hold that thing for just a moment and listen to these words from Francis. Divine love in me is a consuming fire, utterly destroying from my mind all the thoughts of hard conditions. 
all hard thoughts towards others and destroying all hard thoughts of others toward me. Love sweeps clean from my consciousness all hardness of every kind, past, present, and future, and eliminates from my body consciousness all hard manifestations. And so it is. Thanks for joining me for this spiritual moment. Consider tackling one of your book stacks today. For more spiritual moments, grab my book, Spiritual Rebel, a positively addictive guide to finding deeper perspective and higher purpose for Monkfish Publishing. Get more information at spiritual-rebel.com universe. And may the source be with you. Now here's Martha Creek with a Unity Moment. Hi friends, it's Martha Creek, marthacreek.com. Looking at the Beatitudes, the first Beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What on the world? Poor in spirit? Let's think about it from a transformation of consciousness perspective. So from the point of view of our whole journey here in life is to have a transformation of our consciousness. So poor in spirit then designates an inner aptitude, an inner um, capacity, an inner attitude of openness, of receptivity, of that of teachability. And one then is blessed by it because only, only, only in this state is it possible to receive anything, to learn anything, to transform, to grow, to expand. So then think about it then of how teachable, coachable, open, willing to learn, willing to give up your old patterns and beliefs and stories are you. Uh, And a Zen story comes to mind about a young seeker that was keen to become the student of a big master, an important master, was invited into an interview at the master's house. The student rambles on and on about all of his spiritual experiences and his past teachers and his insights and skills and philosophies. And I think about me and how I've quoted Charles and Mother Fillmore and what they said and how I can quote Eckhart Tolle and Byron Katie and the people of our time, the masters. And in this story, the master listens silently and silently and then begins to pour a cup of tea. He pours and pours, and when the cup is overflowing, he keeps right on pouring. He kept right on pouring. And eventually the student notices what is going on, he says, He interrupts his own monologue and all his outpouring of what he knows already and says, stop pouring. The cup is full. And the wise, wise teacher says, yes, and so are you. How can I possibly teach you? So this first beatitude speaks to that principle and holds great insights for us as at the center of our own being is a point of nothingness. And at the center of that being of nothingness that is untouched by illusion, 
by things of the world holds infinite, eternal potential for each of us. And as long as we're filled with ourselves, transformation is not possible. So don't be full of it. MarthaCreek.com if I can support you. Blessings. And now it's time for our interview. Really excited to have Ra Goddess on the show. Ra is the entrepreneurial soul coach behind hundreds of breakthrough change makers, cultural visionaries, and social entrepreneurs from New York Times bestsellers to multi-million dollar social enterprises. As CEO of Move the Crowd, Ra is galvanizing a movement of three million entrepreneurs dedicated to reimagining work as a vehicle for creative expression, financial freedom, and societal transformation. Ra's work has been featured in Time Magazine, Forbes, Fast Company, Variety. Wow, there's a lot here, a lot here. I'm, <laughs> I'm, your official bio is so long, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to take another breath. <laughs> awards, and honors, awards and honors include the National Museum of Voting Rights Freedom Flame Award, Meet the Composer's Top Award, Top 10 Game Changer by Muses and Visionaries Magazines, Magazine, and one of 50 founders to watch by Essence Magazine. She's the author of the book, The Calling, Three Fundamental Shifts to Stay True, Get Paid, and Do Good. Hi, Ra. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Jim and Raymond, thank you so much for having me, you all. It is so awesome to have you. You know, I'm really loving your book. Um, I, I really want to say that there are a lot of great insights in it. And, uh, you know, I think especially now as the world's dealing with what we're, the current issues we're dealing with, you know, it's, it's a great time to reevaluate purpose and, and get it in alignment with what we, what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I believe, you know, I just literally sent a, a communication to our beloved Move the Crowd community saying that I believe, you know, we're on sacred pause right now. And it's exactly, I think, Jim, for that reason. You know, it's time to get clear about what's important and reprioritize. Okay, so I want to ask a basic question first, and that is, um, do you sell an instant power drink that will accomplish all this for me? <laughs> no, Jim, no. And I think it's so important that you say that because when people open the book, they're like, oh, man you expect me to work. <laughs> right, right. And, and the answer is correct, Amundo. <laughs> this is all about um, the practice and the work, you know, um, and, and that we, anything worth having, anything worth experiencing is going gonna, is gonna to ask something of you. All right, I'll have to deal with that. I'll have to deal with that. <laughs> got to do the work, Jim. Got to do the work. That's I know. <laughs> People keep telling me that. So um, let me ask you, um, you've had a lot of different things in your life. You've had quite an interesting journey. You've been a hip-hop artist. You're an author. You know, you, you're a coach. How did you arrive to where you are now? Mm, I mean, you know, there, there are no straight lines, I believe, in, in all of our journeys, you know, um, and, and I'm, I don't think I'm any exception there. 
Um, you know, I, I like to describe myself as being a change of life baby born into the intersection of civil rights and hip hop. You know, my parents were born in the 1920s. They had me when they were in their 40s. Um, and I feel like both of those movements have really kind of shaped my sensibility and my aesthetic and my way of kind of moving and being in the world. Um, but at a very young age, they instilled in my siblings and I this commitment to family, to education, and to community. And, you know, my mother used to have this saying, there but for the grace of God go I. And it was always about this idea that if you ever had any advantage, you ever had any opportunity, you ever had any, um, any gift, any asset, that you actually had a responsibility to make a way for someone else. You had a responsibility to share the wealth. You had a responsibility to open a door, to take people with you. And that always stayed with me. <clears throat> and so, you know, in terms of the different places I've worked, I've been in corporate America, I've worked in, um, believe it or not, I've worked in the specialty chemicals division <laughs> in, in terms of sales, specialty chemical sales uh, for a Fortune 50 company. Um, I've worked in not-for-profit organizations. I've done peace education and conflict resolution in the New York City public schools, which, you know, for those of us who knew the state of the schools, particularly in the 80s, you know, that, was, that could be considered combat duty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's truly, truly shout out to our veterans out there. Um, and then I've also had this honor and privilege through all of the things that I've done of holding leaders and supporting leaders, whether it's working with entrepreneurs when I was in the sales, you know, business and corporate, or whether it was working with foundational and organizational leaders through the, my conflict resolution work. Um, and, and certainly in terms of the work that I do now, um, and it's interesting because no matter what community I've been in, whether it's, uh, you know, literally sitting in villages uh, in the slums of Nairobi, or whether it has been sitting in boardrooms with corporate executives, the challenges of our humanity are the same. They are the same, you mm -hmm. know, and, yeah. and I think our ability to see that and our ability to understand that, um, I think gives us access to so much more. And I say that because sometimes we think, well, that person is entitled to follow their calling. And, you know, they have the privilege to being able to do what it is that they want to do. But, you know, I got I got mouths to feed. I got kids. I got a mortgage to pay. I, you know, fill in the responsibility parents to care for. And, um, and what I'm saying in the center of this book and what I'm saying as a result of the journey that I've had is that every single one of us is called. And every single one of us gets to decide whether or not we want to answer. And I'm saying, if you want to answer, <laughs> that I'm, I might have a blueprint for you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, what's really important is, uh, you know, we need to answer that. I, I, I'm of the belief that, you know, we all, we all contribute in our own unique ways and that that's necessary for the, the world to really work. Yes. So question. From your background, clearly there are at least 4,629 different books you could have written. But for some reason, this is the one that wanted to be birthed. Yeah. What made this one rise up for you as being cold? It is the culmination of everything I've learned. I feel like, you know, about how to pursue your path and how to deliver on your highest contribution and how to be your most authentic self in the process. Because I think, 
you know, there was a point where I think in our society it was all about success, success. And there was a very externalized definition. In other words, we were looking at check boxes, you know, the house, the car, the partner, the perfect job, whatever that was, fame, recognition. And I think through the 2008 recession, some of that crumbled. And a lot of us, because I don't think anybody escaped from that unscathed, a lot of us started to question what's really important and what really matters, you know, and I'm sure we've had other pivotal moments in our society. You know, my parents would say the depression, you know what I mean? And we, we could say sort of name other historical moments, but this is one that I think for most of us listening, we, we, we have enough recollection around that. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a time where people sort of said, you know what? Um, I may need to do this differently. I may need to do this differently. And for me, this book has represented 30 years of being on the front lines of our humanity and listening very carefully to what we struggle with and also observing what is the difference between people who are able to triumph and achieve versus people who are not. And I think in this new definition of success, we don't just want the ring. We want to be ourselves. We want to be ourselves in whatever we're creating and defining as success right now. And so that is the new condition, you know, for success that I don't think has previously been there. And so for me, it was kind of like when it came time to do the book, I was like, for, it has to be a blueprint. It has to be the culmination of everything, everything I've learned <laughs> about how to get there, you know, which I believe is my calling and, and, and my life's work. So you're going to make me jump up and run around the sanctuary. <laughs> yes. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Right just saying. I hear, and I'm hearing it. Yes. Thank you. So we just have a few minutes before we have to take a break. But give me an idea. If you just generally say, and I, I know you can do this in two minutes, but we'll actually get in, in more detail after the break. Um, what is it? to say stay true, get paid, do good? Stay true means that you are willing to live a life that really aligns with your highest values, principles, and convictions. And you're willing to live in a way that not only demonstrates that example through your own being, but that also influences the kind of world that you want to see. The get paid means that you are willing to be wildly compensated for that values aligned contribution that you want to make, right? That offer that you want to bring that solves an opportunity that reimagines or recreates or reinvents or achieves an aspiration or purpose for other people. And the do good is that you're willing to leave this world better than you found it. You're willing to make not even just a good contribution, but you're willing to bring what you need to bring. Because I agree with you, Jim, like the only way we get the world that we want to see is if we're all willing to do our part and bring our peace to the global puzzle. Absolutely. So when you when you compose this, when you think about this, does everybody have this ability to do this? Yes. Yes. I've never met anyone who's been unable. I've met some unwilling but never met some unable. <laughs> distinction, great distinction. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll be right back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio.
We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. We're back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio, and our guest is Ra Goddess, author of the book, The Calling, Three Fundamental Shifts to Stay True, Get Paid, and Do Good. So I have a question for you, Ra Goddess. So the very first thing that you mentioned about staying true, you know, the whole being authentic thing, can you talk about the importance of staying true in the midst of those who don't want to be? Yes. Yeah, and it, it, so that is a practice, and it is probably one of the hardest practices. You know, when I wrote this book and I thought about sort of the way to organize it, I wanted to address what I consider to be the three major concerns that I had encountered over the years of listening. And the first concern is always, who am I? And so in the Stay True section of the book, I deal with your relationship with you which is not something that we talk a lot about. We talk about our relationship to others, right? We talk about our relationship to our goals and our aspirations, but we don't really have the opportunity to delve into this question of who are you to you? And where does your perception of yourself come from? And what is it that shapes that perception? And where are we influenced for better or for worse in shaping that perception? And so, the practice of staying true in the face of people who may not uh, either be espousing uh, to that practice <laughs> or, you know, people who may be, the, the environment may be hostile to that practice, um, all gives us information about what's, again, important. I keep coming back to the what's important. And I think more and more, you know, we hear the terms authenticity, we hear the terms be true to yourself, we hear the terms believe in yourself, but often when people come to me, they go, okay, I will, now how? <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me a step-by-step -step blueprint for how to do it? Because so much of the pressure and the conditioning that we have received has been to actually conform which is the, you know, which can be, doesn't always mean it is, but it can be in many instances, the opposite of staying true. And there's so much pressure to conform because at the beginning, middle and end of the day, we all just want to belong. And belonging is the thing that threatens sometimes our willingness or our ability in any given moment to stay true. Right, because the threat of separation, the threat of isolation, the threat of alienation can cause us to sell out on our highest values and ideals. So I say it's a practice, you know, and, and particularly one of the toughest practices when you're in an environment that does not necessarily support or lend itself to that kind of truth. And then talking about uh, staying true, you talk about how, you know, we need to get beyond sort of the things that others have given us and th that society has given us in terms of our beliefs and how we think. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's so many layers of, of conditioning that come from, you know, our early childhood development and the messages we receive 
from our immediate family, then from you know, our community, the institutions in our society, the other trusted figures of authority. You know, we get on average 30 to 40,000 messages every day about how to be, how to look, what to say, where to go, what to do, and what to wear while doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, this just this flood of direction and commands. Um, and it can be hard for us to sort through it all, to try to really get to the core of, well, how do I really feel? And how do I really think? And so, you know, in the exploratory work that we do, it's about creating the time and the space to kind of quiet the noise so that you can have a different kind of communication and you can hear a different kind of inner dialogue that wants to happen, you know, between you and your source, however you define your source, love, creativity, God, Jehovah, Elohim, you know, the universe, whatever you want to call it. But there is a different kind of dialogue that wants to happen and a different kind of guidance and insight that actually comes from within. And until we can create the space for that, it can be very difficult to feel grounded or centered or confident or clear about who we are, about what we want, about what we think, <laughs> you know, right? Um, and so we've got to create that room, we've got to create that space, and we've got to be courageous enough to be willing to start to engage in those, those dialogues and start to ask ourselves those bigger questions, and in some cases, those tougher questions that begin to forge a new kind of ground that feels much more solid and much more um, representative of, of who we are. So quick question, if I may backtrack for a moment. Because you mentioned how we identify whatever our source is. And I've noticed that a lot of people oftentimes don't see getting paid, which was one of the key points, with spirituality. Can you talk about that you can be spiritual and get paid? I believe getting paid is all about your relationship to source. Well, let's see, tambourine, run around the sanctuary scene. <laughs> like that is what it, it is, you know, right. like all of us is connected to an infinite, all-providing all energy. Right. And it really is about the degree to which we are willing to tap into that energy, both in the giving and in the receiving. And I say that because we also give from places of scarcity. We give from places of lack. We give from places of obligation. And then we wonder why we're burnt out or why we're tired or why we're depleted, <laughs> right? And so, you know, getting paid, I mean, it's fundamental. It's fundamental to our expression. And it isn't about paper currency. It is about really our capacity to receive as much as it is about our capacity to give from a place that feels loving that feels abundant, that feels plentiful, that feels resourceful. And so, you know, what I'm teaching you really in the conversation of getting paid is I'm teaching you how to give and how to receive from a whole new place, a place that is not riddled with all of what we've been indoctrinated to believe about the fact that there is not enough or this culture of enoughness, but to actually give and receive from a place that is much more visionary, 
-hmm. that is much more abundant, that is much more plentiful, <laughs> that is much more all pervading. And then in our giving to identify what is it that we've really been called to bring and who is it that we really want to make that difference for and the degree to which we can actually align with and cultivate a proposition that represents our values, that honors our unique combination of talents and gifts, and that is guided and directed towards the contribution we most wanna make, that's where we begin to experience, I believe, the wealth that is available to every single one of us. Let me ask you, you know, this is a, kind of a personal thing, but I think it, it, it uh, appeals to a lot of people. And that is, you know, what I do, part of what I do is I help people create online courses for motivation and spirituality. And, you know, I'm a TV producer, so this is something I'm doing now. Um, but I sometimes feel guilty about getting paid for it because it's really something that, you know, I feel like I'm giving to people and I, I want to give to people and I feel a little guilty about you know, the exchange. Can you talk to that guilt and how, you know, we might deal with that? Yeah. A lot of us have been conditioned to believe that if we're giving something that is of spirit or we're giving something that is out of the kindness of our heart, that somehow it's sacrilege to want to receive compensation for it. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's all connected. And, and the way that I always ask people to think about it is if you really want that contribution to live, to be viable, to be sustainable, to be impactful, then we must resource it. It's kind of like you can't pull from the well and never replenish the water. It's a natural principle. And, and the truth is that the way that the nature flows, there is about this ebb and this flow. There is this reciprocity of giving and receiving. You must be replenished in order to be able to continue to give. And so, you know, um, I know that the guilt comes from feeling like, you know, it's um, like, how dare we love what we do? How dare yeah. we yes. <laughs> enjoy it so much? How dare it fulfill us so much? And, it, and that's about, on many levels, a deep sense of unworthiness that we feel like that we don't get to have joy and prosperity. We don't get to have peace and contribution. We don't get to have work we love and a thriving relationship with our kids. It goes back to this idea that we have to trade in ways that are painful in order to do good. And I so am here to disrupt that and rip that apart because it is so not the truth. That is not, you know, if you believe in source and spirit, that's certainly not what source or spirit wants for you. And if you believe in the goodness of what you do, why wouldn't you be included in that equation of goodness? Why wouldn't good come to you as a result of all you're doing? So um, let's, let's move on to do good, because I think that is, all, I mean, these are all so important, but what do you mean by, you know, do good? Yeah, we have a vision for a world all of us do. And, you know, and this really transcends political party. This transcends all of the other ways that sometimes we can polarize ourselves in a conversation. If you get to the heart of the heart of the heart, we all have a desire for a world that is more peaceful. We all have a desire for a world where we can thrive, where our children can thrive and their children's children can thrive. We all desire a world where we can enjoy nature 
and the plenitude and the beauty of nature. And so if it is in fact that we all share this vision, what is the contribution that each of us individually has been called to make to realizing that world, to creating that world, to delivering on that world? And in the work of Do Good, not only do I sort of give you the landscape, because a lot of people say, I want to do more, but I don't know how, right? So I'm like, okay, I answered that for you in the book. <laughs> Shout out the 17 Sustainable Goals for the United Nations, because I give right. you all the framework right. drawn from that incredible work. Um, but also, you know, we have a lot of misconceptions about what it means and requires to do good. And I come back to this trade. We sort of think that living our life is over here and doing good is over there, which is a myth. You know, just like giving from our soul and making money, like those two things are at odds, that's a myth. That's a myth. You know, the truth is that there is a contribution that we are here to make, that only we can make, that truly belongs to us. It is about our fulfillment. It is about our expression. It is about the, the way that our soul wants to live and be and move in the world. And that that contribution, if we're willing to make it and willing to show up for it, will naturally lend itself to the kind of world that we want to see. And it will naturally lend itself to the kind of people that we want to be. And so doing good is really about doing your part. And it's about saying that I'm willing to be a part of the solution as opposed to the part of the problem. When I look at what are the things that operate in favor of the world I want to see and what are the things that operate at odds with the world that I want to see. Mm -hmm. wow. So can you tell us about the L3 formula? Mm -hmm. So this is about, you know, the commitments we make. So we talk about the three fundamental shifts, they're commitments we make. So when we make a commitment to stay true, it's really about how we live. And in the center of how we live are our values and our principles and our convictions. And us being really clear at the beginning, middle, and end of the day, what is really important to us? What really, really matters? In the how you love, that is about our mission. And this is where our get paid comes to life. And this is about owning, accepting, seeing and taking responsibility for the unique combination and talents and gifts and abilities that we have been given to share with the world. The share part is really important because a lot of times we're doing things that we're good at or we're doing things that we know how to do, but there isn't a lot of joy in it. There mm -hmm. isn't a lot of freedom in it. There isn't a lot of true creativity and imagination and expression in it. And what we're saying in the book and what I'm saying in the mandate of getting paid is that that has all got to line up. It's got to be about not only what you've been gifted, but it's got to be about what is joyful for you to share. What is it that you feel compelled to share? What is it that you can't help yourself but to share? <laughs> right, Jim? What is it that you would do for free, though you don't have to? Right. right? It's about getting to the heart of like, what is yours to bring? And that's where the fire is for you. So if you're curious about, well, I don't know what that is. Where's the fire? Look at where the fire is. Where's the heat? Because that's where the offering resides. That's where it lives. And then the lead is about our purpose, which is all about the impact that we want to have in the world. In other words, in what way will the world be different as a result of how you've lived and how you've shown up in the world? And so the live, the love, and the lead create the context and the foundation to actually practice 
that alignment, which is the way that I define success, right? Success is a function of alignment. And the alignment is represented in how you live, how you love, and how you lead. And that is your L3. Love it. Thank you. So can we talk about the six steps to true paid good? Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, you've been, this is wonderful. And I, I, I really feel like, you know, let's dive into that a little bit and get to the six steps because I think that's really going to help people. Yeah. So you all are hearing all of these frameworks and you might be like, okay, how do they all fit together? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> What's first, an L3? <laughs> well, first of all, first of all, they should get the book because the exactly. are definitely in there. You gotta lead them in. Lead them in. <laughs> yes, that will help. I promise you, I promise you that will help. But you know, I started to to say in the beginning that the book was is really shaped for these three concerns. So what are the three concerns that most of us are grappling that stand in the way of our ability to really answer our call or find our purpose or deliver on our purpose? The first is who am I, right? Which is the challenge and the stay true because you can't stay true if you don't know who you are. And for a lot of us, when we ask that question, we have this perception about what we're capable of, about what we're worthy of, about what we're deserving of, about what we can make happen, about what people will receive from us or not receive from us. And so in the Stay True, we move. The, the fundamental shift is to go from victim to vision. And the six-step process supports your transformation in, in the Stay True, in the Get Paid, in the Do Good. So in the Stay True, we, we get get and deal with this concern of who you are. And through this six step process, I help you create a new vision for how you want to express yourself, for how you want to hold yourself, for how you want to identify and own yourself, right? So bigger than the accolades or the roles you play or the degrees or all of the other things, the accomplishments, the ways we've been traditionally taught to define ourselves at the essence of your soul and your core, who are you? And how do you honor that person? How do you recognize that person? How do you love that person? And how do you show up as that person? And that six step transformative process takes you through that. The shift you go through in the stay true is from victim to vision. In other words, you move from living a life at the mercy of your circumstances to living a life that you get to consciously create by design. So what are those six steps? The first step is awareness or recognizing because until you can see what's operating in your belief system, you have no clue how to fix it. And by the way, the book deals with your belief system head on <laughs> in each dimension, right? You guys, each dimension. Yeah, it definitely does. Right. right? So, so what, what, what's going on with your belief system, right? Is the first question, your awareness. The second step is acceptance which is where we face it, we confront it, we tell the truth about it, and we take responsibility for it. So taking responsibility for what you believe is the revolution, ladies and gentlemen. And whether you've inherited it, whether you've <laughs> cultivated it, whether you've imported it, <laughs> or exported it, <laughs> <laughs> or borrowed it, however you've gotten it, you've gotten some things and you want to start to look at what you've acquired and you want to start to make some decisions about the degree to which what you have acquired is either working for you or not working for you. And that's what acceptance is all about. The third step, forgiveness. 
we've never been taught how to forgive. And when you think about that, that's pretty profound. We've got examples of incredible forgiveness. And I do go there. Yes, I do take you to Jesus. I do. It is what it is, y'all. <laughs> we have the example of forgiveness, but we've never been taught, well, how did Jesus do it, actually? So I take you through a ritual. I take you through a process. I take you through a protocol that actually teaches you how to let go of the burdens, how to let go of the past, how to let go of those choices, those decisions, those mistakes, because contrary to what a lot of us believe, we're still carrying them. So by the time we get to step four, which is about reimagining and redefining and recreating and visualizing a new future, you've cleared the deck. You've got some room to be able to do that. So that's step four, redefine, visualize, reimagine, recreate whatever your vision is for your stay true, for your get paid or for your do good. And then step five, it's all about the aligned right action. So it's not enough to speak a new reality. You now have to act in concert with the new reality that you're wanting to create. So if the new reality calls for you wanting to do things that light you up, that you love, then you don't get tomorrow to go back to a same position that you hate, right? You got to challenge yourself around that, right? Or if you're going back, you're going back with a plan <laughs> for how to transform that situation or transcend that situation, right? But, you, but you're not going back the same person you were the day before, right? You're not tolerating. And so aligned right actions consistent with the new decision. And then finally celebration. And this is the most important one, Jim, because a lot of us don't know how to celebrate. A lot of us, we go from achievement to achievement to achievement. To, it's like next, next, next. We don't know how to take a breath. We don't know how to see our efforts. But the truth is, in order to stay motivated and inspired, we have to see our efforts. We have to see what we're doing. We're, we're needing to see the progress we're making. And this is one of the most healing steps for people. You know, forgiveness, I would say probably number one, but this is probably the second most healing one because we are our worst critic. Nobody is tougher on us than we are. And our willingness to see our progress and our willingness to acknowledge ourselves for our progress heals a lot of that inner authoritarian energy that has been existing for many of us and has been in many cases handed down you know, from other people in our lives along the way. And so the celebration teaches us how to honor, how to elevate, how to uplift, how to acknowledge and really see the truth of who we are in all that we do in the day to day, no matter who is watching. Wow. Those are the steps. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we literally have about uh, three minutes left. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we could talk to you for hours. I hope you'll come sure. back at some point. Oh, it'd be my joy too. Sure. Um, you know, we're going through a transition right now. We're going through some difficult things with the virus and sort of changing how we look at life. And I'm wondering, you know, what kind of thoughts do you have for people, you know, in this time as all these changes are happening both, you know, politically and, you know, in this socially, uh, socially and all this stuff. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I, you know, I, I referenced earlier that I just sent a communication to my beloved community and, and sort of I'm naming and framing this, the sacred pause. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, if you believe in numerology or cos cosmology or whatever you sort of aspire to 2020 is a foundation year. 
You know, we're coming into a new decade. It's a double, double digit year. And it's a four year in the context of numerology, which is all about foundation and structure. And I believe that the universe is inviting us to come home in whatever way we define that, home to ourselves, home to our families, home to our structures, and to actually tend to home. We're so conditioned to be out in the external world. You know, when we think about anything we want to achieve or anything we want to have or anything we want to do, it's always out there. And we've got it backwards because it begins in here. And what the universe is saying, whatever ambition you have, whatever it is you're trying to achieve this year, whatever it is you're wanting to get done this year, you need to start with home. You got to begin at home. And if home is a hot mess, you got to get that in order. (laughs) Or if home is sacred, holy ground, you got to strengthen it and fortify it and affirm it. Because you will not be able to accomplish whatever it is that you're setting out to do in hyper warp speed and over effort. I mean, we shot out of a cannon at the top of 2020. Like, I don't know about you all, but I was on conference calls (laughs) and the level of intensity with which people were coming at it was unprecedented in anything I'd ever seen. It's like somebody flipped a switch and then just boom, we were were at it. And we were at it with a kind of desperation. Mm that was gonna set us up for a very hard year. Mm. So this is Source's way of telling us, take a breath, everybody. And when you think about the genius of it, because I believe the universe asks itself questions like, what would it take to get everybody to stop? Absolutely. No, really, what do you do? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And the profound thing is to watch the degree to which so many of us are still struggling with stopping. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Ra, for being on the show. It's been a thank you. It's been a pleasure to have you. Um, make sure that you check out her website, Ra Goddess's website at movethecrowd.me. Is that correct? That it's movethecrowd.me. Yep. And backslash the calling if you want to know more about the movement and the resources. Would love to have you come in. Awesome. And for more great information about Raymond, go to RaymondAnderson.com. I've got premium video courses on my website called youthrivehere.com. I hope you'll join me. Thanks, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.